2018 You need to be seen It's time to come to the aid of America In 2018 Be part of the team It's time to come to the aid of America Go to the polls and cast your vote Welcome to your voting guide by the League of Women Voters. This is Vivian Hart, and I will be your host on behalf of the League of Women Voters of Greater Tucson. The League of Women Voters is a nonpartisan organization, and that means that we don't support or oppose any political party or candidate. We encourage citizens to be informed about and active in our government. Our goal with this program is to present unbiased information about candidates, the issues, and our voting process relating to elections. We are delighted that you've joined us today. Today I'm going to be interviewing Cindy Safran. She's a League member, and she's going to talk with us about gerrymandering. Now what gerrymandering is, is drawing the lines for the districts based on how it's going to help or hurt a particular political party. We recorded this show before the election. Since the election, four states voted on whether or not to have independent commissions or other ways to figure out their redistricting after the 2020 census. Colorado and Michigan voted to create independent commissions to decide the boundaries of congressional and legislative districts. Now, in Colorado, there are going to be two commissions, one to draw congressional lines and one to draw state legislative lines. Missouri passed an initiative to use a statistical nonpartisan model that decides where the lines are going to be drawn and to appoint a state demographer. We don't know yet about Utah. Theirs is very close right now. The yes votes have it, but it's very, very close and the votes are still coming in. And if it passes, they're going to create an independent redistricting commission. Now, Arizona is one of only two states that already have an independent redistricting commission. So we would be delighted, and the league would be delighted, to have more states join us so that the lines are drawn in a nonpartisan manner. So I'd like to start out with this question. What exactly is gerrymandering? Well, gerrymandering is something that uh, is difficult to describe very briefly, but let's start at the beginning with the U.S. Constitution, which says that uh, the U.S. representatives to Congress must be elected by the people who live within their district within their state. State legislatures are responsible to divide the state population into districts with approximately the same number of residents in each. But and people, that number, by the way, that number has grown over the years. Oh, it used absolutely. To be a, it originally a, was 70, about 71,000 residents. Now it's up to 700,000 residents. Yeah, 10 times more because yes. our population has grown. Exactly, exactly. But people move around. So the districts are always reconfigured every 10 years based on the census that is required to be taken at the beginning of the decade. Now, when a state legislature draws a district that favors one group over another, it's called gerrymandering. I can't emphasize enough, Valerie, that an accurate census is absolutely necessary so that a state not only gets its rightful allotment of representatives, but that districts are drawn accurately. 
That's why the League of Women Voters is adamant that a citizenship question not be added to the census form. If residents are afraid to answer that question for fear of legal ramifications, then the number of residents in the state and the district will be undercounted. It's tough to draw a fair district when the data is incorrect. And in fact, what will happen is in the districts that people don't answer the census, they will get one less representative in Congress. That's right. They'll get less money from the federal government. Exactly. That's exactly how it's done. And so that question is very important. And I know that the Constitution says that the census has to count everybody. Yes. Citizen or non-citizen, everybody is supposed to be counted. All residents. So that means everybody. Everybody. This is a very important point. So tell me, this is a really strange word, gerrymandering. Now, where the heck did that word come from? That word was coined in 1812. It's been around a while. But it comes from the governor of Massachusetts, who at the time was Eldridge Gary. At that time, his party was in the majority, and he decided that he wanted the districts drawn to favor his party. Nobody agreed with him, but he did it anyway. And a a journalist at the Boston Globe, yes, the Boston Globe was around (laughs) even back then. A long time ago. (laughs) uh, One of the journalists who was following the event said, that district looks like the shape of a salamander. And his buddy said, not a salamander, a gerrymander. And that name stuck. And that's why we call it that way today. Uh, we, we refer to gerrymandering when a district is, is drawn oddly and to the benefit of one party or another. Or one race or another. Or one race or another. Any minority. Any minority. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to tell our listeners that Cindy has a wonderful PowerPoint presentation when she gives speeches. And when she gives presentations, you will see the picture of that salamander, what it looked like in Massachusetts. Well, I'm glad we actually don't call it gerrymandering. It sounds better (laughs) like gerrymandering. Why is it that gerrymandering is a problem? Gerrymandering is inconsistent with our democracy and our ideals that the founding fathers put into the Constitution. The ideal that each person is entitled to equal protection under the law. That is in the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. If someone lives in a district that's created by a state legislature to overwhelm or undermine a person's vote because they are a minority race or a minority political party, then that person has no voice in his or her government. That violates the Equal Protection Clause that guarantees one person, one vote. Another ideal in the amendments is the First Amendment, freedom of speech. We've all heard of freedom of speech. Well, choosing a political party to join is considered a free speech issue. If someone's district has been drawn to ensure that the residents of that district who have chosen a political party other than the majority party, then those residents are outvoted by design and end up having no vote in their government. So I've heard the phrase, instead of the voters choosing their representatives, when representatives gerrymander the districts, they're choosing their voters. Right. And And so what happens is that's all screwed up. It's all turned around. Yes, it's it's totally backward. And it doesn't seem to matter to the people who do the gerrymandering. It only matters to the people who are 
in the minority and who have no voice. You may know that the League of Women Voters is nonpartisan. So I want to point out that both Republicans and Democrats gerrymander. It's not just one party. That's correct. So I want you to tell us how gerrymandering is accomplished. There are a number of ways, right? There are, and they usually result in very odd-shaped areas that they call a district. And the method that is used is pretty dependent on the circumstances that are in each area. So the first way is called packing. And packing means that the district is drawn to include most or all of a certain race or a certain political party, usually the minority. Let's say that a state has five districts. If you put all of the minority residents into one district, they get to vote in that district, they get a representative for their district, but the other four districts get the, uh, the majority party. So the minority party only has one representative and the majority party has four. Now, this becomes a problem if the numbers of people in that one district of the minority party or the minority race is larger in population than the others. Right. That's right. Because each district is supposed to be approximately the same. But they have, they have come down with decisions from the Supreme Court that say if it's off by 10% or less, then they don't worry about it. They call it essentially equal. Mm -hmm. So that, that is uh, usually not the problem. The problem is usually the fact that all the minority is in one or maybe even two districts. But the rest of the districts go for the majority party. Another one is a district can be cracked, which is a funny way to, sh to describe it. But you crack a minority by spreading them all over all the districts. So they become totally diluted. And the minority party has no, major no vote in any of the districts. And so all in the above example, all five of those representatives would be majority representatives. And the minority just sort of disappears into the woodwork. So... If you think about it like a pie and the minority party or the minority race would be in the middle of the pie and then you cut the pieces of the pie so that a few of those minorities are in each piece of the pie but the on the outside of each piece is the majority party or the majority race and they may like they're 55 or 60% of the population in that particular piece of pie. Right, right. So, That's a good analogy. Okay. All right. Uh, and that actually does happen in Utah. Uh, Salt Lake City is very liberal and very progressive. And what they did is they chopped up Salt Lake City and spread, the spread those residents into the rural districts, which are historically more conservative. Mm -hmm. So their vote just got disappeared, just like that. What's another one? Well, another one has another funny name. You can be hijacked, which means that uh, the majority legislature draws the boundaries to force two minority incumbents into the same district. Now, if a state has five districts, two of which have minority representatives and three have majority representatives, the districts can be drawn so that both minority representatives now live in the same district and have to run against each other. And since only one of them can win, we've now lowered the number of minority representatives to one. And the majority, again, gets four. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a science. And the fourth way? The fourth way is kidnapping. 
And that also sounds a little funny. They don't actually take somebody out at night and wrap them up and take them away. (laughs) What they do is they take a minority candidate's address and sneak it into a different district. So that minority candidate has to run against an incumbent in another district. His base is now gone. He doesn't know anybody in the new district. The, The incumbent has all of the power there. And so... He loses his place. And once again, you lose a minority representative. And the people in the district don't know this new person either. That's right. They yeah. only know the person who's been representing them for years. Yeah. So who is this upstart, essentially? Right. Exactly. And and that's it, it's not true. That person had a position in a different district, but they got drawn out of it, basically. I am speaking with Cindy Soffron, who's telling us all about gerrymandering. So, it sounds like gerrymandering should be against the law. Is it? And if not, why not? Uh, Racial gerrymandering is absolutely against the law. But the the little bit of history here goes a long way. After the Civil War, the southern states tried to disenfranchise or the, the newly freed slaves. So they didn't want them to vote. And they imposed poll taxes, they imposed literacy tests, and they imposed violence. Now, violence is always against the law, but violence is not always prosecuted. Depends on what jurisdiction you're in. And in this case, in the southern states, the people who did the violence were just ignored. It's coming up now where people are actually being tried many years later for violence that they they perpetrated years and years ago. But at the time, they were not prosecuted. True, true. Now, in, uh, in 1964, with the Civil Rights Movement, we got the 24th Amendment, and the 24th Amendment outlawed the poll tax. Very good idea. But, and then a year later, and remember, that's 1965, so that's 100 years after the Civil War, the Voting Rights Act was finally passed. And that secured the right for all minorities to vote in the country. Now, the literacy test was outlawed by the Voting Rights Act, and it was not only outlawed against racial minorities, but also against language minorities, which is a big deal when you come to literacy tests and you're talking about language minorities. The um, Voting Rights Act itself was a big deal because it had provisions, uh, special provisions that applied to only certain states. And those certain states were tested by a coverage formula. And if they flunked the coverage formula, then they had to provide there any changes in their voting regulations to the U.S. Attorney General or to the U.S. District Court of D.C. to be pre-cleared. So if there was anything in the new regulations, it was nipped in the bud, and they, were, they had to go back to the drawing board and produce something that was much more fair. Unfortunately, Arizona happened to be one of those states. Now, th- these states that were found to be under the coverage formula Uh, had to uh, have that preclearance. And unfortunately, in 2013, the U.S. Supreme Court said that the coverage formula was unconstitutional. Well, without the coverage formula, this law had no teeth. And so since 2013, the uh, Voting Rights Act has not been very effective. As soon as the decision was handed down in 2013, guess what? 
six out of the 15 states that were covered by the coverage formula immediately passed new and more restrictive voting laws, such as voter IDs and so on. Now, instead of preclearance, these states had to be sued by the residents in order to force them to draw districts fairly. And lawsuits are very extensive and very expensive. And the only benefactors of that are the lawyers. Well, but if the, if the lawyers win, then the minority party or the minority race is also a benefactor. Oh, absolutely. But they still make out, whereas if they were not involved in the process because the states had to get preclearance, it would be a much smoother operation. You know, I think you're right. It takes a lot more effort to make things fair without the Voting Rights Act being enforced That's the way right. it used to be. Yeah. It takes uh. much more effort, more money, more time. Everything is more difficult to make something fair that we would think would be fair from the very beginning. Right. I'm speaking with Cindy Sofran, a member of the League of Women Voters of Greater Tucson, about the very interesting topic of gerrymandering. So answer this. What about gerrymandering to gain the advantage over another political party? Oh, yeah, that is a big problem. The political gerrymandering has been ignored because until recently, and in the words of the former Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, political gerrymandering claims can't be tried because there are no judicially discernible and manageable standards for judging that such claims exist. In other words, his opinion was that there was no way to tell if a district showed prejudice against a particular political party. People could register as a Republican but vote Democrat. People could move. Some people might not vote at all. But as recently as the last election in 2016, political gerrymandering was alive and well. For example, in Kentucky, 35% of the statewide vote was for Democrats, but only 7%, that's one out of six, representatives was a Democrat. Another example, in West Virginia, a third of the population cast their ballot for a Democrat, but all of the state's U.S. representatives remain Republican. And Democrats do this as well. Don't, don't get me wrong. Everybody does it. Those are just two of some very glaring examples. But many academics have been working on this problem, and they've come up with a method that can quantify just how discriminatory a state's voting regulations are. And we're hoping that this problem gets resolved soon. I know it was up before the Supreme Court. So tell me about what's happening with the courts today. Well, there have been a number of cases brought before state and federal courts by individuals and advocacy groups, such as the League of Women Voters. Some of have even chosen to be heard by the U.S. Supreme Court. You know that the court gets to choose which cases they hear. Right. So in two cases that have been in the news recently are concerning North Carolina and Pennsylvania. And these are, these are fabulous, years-long years cases, but... I'll try to sum it up for you quickly. In North Carolina, there was racial gerrymandering. It was determined there was racial gerrymandering. In but fact, I think I think the Supreme or the I think it was the North Carolina Supreme Court said they took a scalpel and they made the district specifically <laughs> in order to make sure that uh, African Americans did not have the representation that they 
that their numbers would have indicated. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's an example of, of packing, where they just put everybody in, no matter where they lived, they belong. They became in the same district, and it was a very, very odd-shaped district. Yes. Not all odd-shaped d- districts are racially uh, motivated, but that was one that definitely was. Now, uh, the Supreme Court heard and ruled on cases about North Carolina's racial gerrymandering, but it refused to hear the case regarding partisan gerrymandering in June of 2018. They sent it back to the federal district court in North Carolina to decide. The defendants have publicly admitted, and I'm sure you've heard it on the news, where they go, we think it's better to have more Republicans than Democrats. And it was, uh, again, brought before the uh, federal district court that ruled September 4th that the districting map was unconstitutional, but it agreed there was not enough time to correct the problem before the 2008 midterms, so they couldn't redraw the, the map in time and get people to register in the proper districts, and so they allowed them to use this gerrymandered map until the 2020 elections. So in 2018... The vote is going to be according to the gerrymandered That's map, correct. but by 2020, right. it will be fairer. Yes. And of course, in 2020, we're supposed to have a new census, and so that's going to be uh, the basis for the next decade. However, what is happening is that the Supreme Court of North Carolina is making these decisions, and so the legislature is doing things, I think they're gerrymandering the vote for the Supreme Court to make it so that they can replace certain judges on the Supreme Court with judges they like that will go ahead and allow the gerrymandered map. Another lawsuit in the making. (laughs) You're right. Do you have another example? Yeah, this one is a good one. It's uh, Pennsylvania. It was a, a, a legal roller coaster. In 2017, the League of Women Voters uh, was the plaintiff in a case with with other people, uh, which asked the federal court to throw out the redistricting map drawn by the Pennsylvania General Assembly in 2011. And they said it was terribly gerrymandered and based on a political party. Now, federal court agreed, but then granted to postpone any revision of that map until the U.S. Supreme Court heard a different case uh, that was being uh, brought in from Wisconsin. Pennsylvania Supreme Court threw out the 2011 map and ruled that it could not be used in the 2018 elections and required that the assembly submit a revised map that had been approved by the governor and have it on the, the court's desk, so to speak, by the 2018 elections. Well, the Republicans that dominated the General Assembly revised the map But the governor said, not enough, and he would not sign it. So the General Assembly filed cases with the Pennsylvania Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court to try to get this process stopped, but nobody would do it. There was just no dice in that. So the U.S. Supreme Court refused to overrule the state Supreme Court, and the final map stands as a beacon to all that justice prevails in the end, no matter how long it takes. So it went back and forth between the court and the legislature, and it ended up that the court redrew the map in a way that they felt was fair. That's right. And so they passed that, and that's the map that's being used over the objection of the legislature. Absolutely, Now, isn't the legislature suing? I think they are because they said 
that the Constitution says only the state legislatures are allowed to draw the maps. And so they're mm. trying to overrule, basically, the state Supreme Court. Oh boy. oh boy! I'm what, telling you, this what roller coaster is that. <laughs> this roller coaster has another twist, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, last question: Why do you feel that this is important? Isn't this the way it's been done? You said since 1812, it's been done and since before. the beginning. Why right. is it important now to be so strong in the courts and in in making sure that these maps are drawn fairly? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, just because something has been done this way since the country began doesn't make it right. Uh, the case in point is slavery. We don't have slaves anymore, but slavery was there before the country was even a country. Philosophical thought must keep maturing so that humans can advance in society. I think that's an important point. The point that we don't have slaves anymore. The point that we vote. Mm -hmm. The point that we have to have fair elections that really do represent the people, that those are all ideas and ideals that as we mature as a society, as intelligent, mature people are the ones who are making the decisions on how we run as a society, I think that's so important yeah, that we are too. growing as a society. You know, people who come over from Great Britain or France, you know, they've been going, what, how many thousands of years? And we're like little babies here yes. in the United States. We're only a couple hundred <laughs> years old with uh, the government we have. And I think that it's so important for us to see that over time, there is a maturing that we are doing as a society. I would hope so. I would absolutely hope so. There's been a lot of discussion through the centuries how political gerrymandering just flies in the face of what the Founding Fathers had in mind. But until, as you said before, until computers, it never reached the epidemic portions that we have today. And the effective Right. I mean, computers make analysis of population and their voting practices so much quicker, so much more accurate, that a political party in control has a stranglehold on the power. They not only look at who's registered in what way in a district, even though that's a lot of it. They look at things like what kind of magazines you buy, mm. where, you know, where you go to different places on uh, on the internet. They can look at things like that and they can look at your personality according to those kinds of things. Not only your voting record, but your personality as a whole. Yes, and that's very serious. That, that's scary. That, it is. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I mean, we talk about privacy, but that, that's just beyond. That is beyond an invasion of privacy. So to my mind, this is a terrible thing to happen, and it's uh, a threat to our democracy, and it's opposite of the vision described by the U.S. Constitution and the amendments. And that's something that I support, and I would hate to see it go down the tubes. And the League of Women Voters, we were born in the year 1920, which is when women got the right to vote. That's right. And we started as an organization saying we need fairness in the vote. Not only women voting, not only minorities voting, but everyone's vote counting one person, one vote. That is... And gerrymandering screws that all up. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's 
it's just an antithesis to what we believe. Or, exactly. or what we say we believe. How's that? <laughs> Thank you very yeah. much, Cindy. I've been with Cindy Soffrin today, who is one of the members of our Speakers Bureau. And if you would like to have Cindy come and speak to your group about gerrymandering or other kinds of speeches that we can give, please give a call to the League office at 520-327-7652. We have a number of speakers in our Speakers Bureau who will be happy to come to your group. You've been listening to League member Cindy Soffron on KXCI 91.3 FM. All episodes of this series are on KXCI.org after they have been broadcast. This show is recorded and produced by Amanda Schager. You can learn more at the League of Women Voters website, lwvgt.org. This is Vivian Hart, your host. Next week, I am the one who's going to be interviewed. It's the last show of our series, and I'm going to be interviewed about voter suppression and voter expansion, both on the legal level and on the state law level. Bye-bye. <laughs>